Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heads Up, the weekly webcast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel, migraine strategist, founder of the Facebook group Migraine Nation, and chronic daily migraine survivor. I am here this week with Dr. Jan Brandis, MD. Hi, Dr. Brandis, how are you? Hello. So Dr. Brandis is the founder founder of the National Neuroscience Group and assistant clinical professor in the Department of Neurology at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. She also happens to be an investigator on numerous clinical trials of migraine medications. So we're super excited to have Dr. Brandis here today, and she's going to talk to us not only about menstrual migraine and menstrually related migraine, but how to treat it and fix it, which is super exciting. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's delve right into it. Many people know that I had chronic daily migraine from the time I was a toddler until I was about 30 years old, but I have to say that once I hit the age where I got menstrually related migraine on top of my daily migraine, I was unhappy. I could tell the difference that I had this extra kind of migraine every month that really bothered me and I had to figure out how to fix it. And I didn't have someone like Dr. Brandis in my life or in my town at that time to help me. And so I really, really am excited to be able to pick her brain for the benefit of everyone today. So uh, let's just start by talking about why migraine occurs at that time of the month for us around menstruation. Well, the general consensus is that it's related to fluctuation in estradiol or in estrogen levels. So there's a slight rise just before ovulation and then a smaller, a small fall. And that's probably what triggers the ovulatory migraine. And that rise is much higher and the drop is much more uh, precipitous with the fall that triggers the onset of menstruation. And as it triggers that, it's felt to trigger in susceptible, in people who have one of the genes for migraine, it can trigger a migraine attack. Okay. So there's some really strict definitions of menstrual migraine and menstrually related migraine. Can you talk about what those are? Well, essentially, one is pure menstrual migraine. And pure menstrual migraine really refers to an individual who only has attacks within two days before or three days after the onset of menstruation in two out of three cycles and has no other attacks at any other time. So just attacks around the menstrual cycle. And that's designated as pure menstrual migraine. Menstrually related migraine refers to essentially the same pattern, but to an individual who has attacks at other times of the month. So they can have, they still have to meet the same criteria for menstrual migraine, plus uh, minus two to plus three days within that window of menstrual flow. But again, in two out of three cycles, but also they have attacks at other times. Okay. So when it comes to treating menstrual migraine, um, is it different when you're treating someone who just has menstrual migraine right around the time of menstruation um, from someone who has chronic migraine or or migraine at other times? Um, do you treat them differently or the same? Well, I think there are elements that really are separate depending on if it's pure menstrual migraine. So if someone only has attacks around the menstrual cycle, you may be able to treat them with 
just acute therapy, migraine-specific, perhaps with an anti-inflammatory drug added, Mm -hmm. or you may be able to treat them with something called short-term menstrual migraine prevention, where you start a medication, dose it two or three times a day, the day before the menstrual migraine typically starts, and then you continue it every day, probably a day after the menstrual migraine is likely to occur. So those would be two traditional strategies. Okay. If someone only is, is predominantly being treated around the menstrual cycle. Well, let's delve into that since you started a little more deeply. So if someone purely has menstrual migraine, what is the best approach uh, to start with in your opinion? I believe that when we talked previously, you had sort of a three-pronged approach to attacking that. Well, again, because most menstrual migraine that comes to us in clinic or outpatient settings is typically severe Mm -hmm. and can be longer in duration. So typically we would say, or we would recommend a high dose non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug that might Mm -hmm. be something like naproxen sodium, which has been studied in menstrual migraine, Mm -hmm. and then a triptan or another migraine specific therapy. And again, it might be injectable, nasal spray, tablet, depending on the severity when the attack started. And then something that would help control nausea if that's a prominent part of the attack. And the idea is that an individual, the the person with migraine, would treat as soon as possible. If they have premonitory symptoms like yawning or food cravings, they would treat start treating then. If they have aura, they would start treating at the aura. Or if they started with headache, they would start immediately when the headache started and then could redose on the basis of their response to that. Okay, so they're taking all three of those things at once. Um an anti-inflammatory, the triptan, and the anti-emetic or something to treat the nausea all at once is sort of what you're getting across there, right? That would be a first step. If that doesn't work, then you could move to what you alluded to earlier, the short-term prevention therapy. And there are three drugs that have been studied pretty intensively there. One that has the best evidence is frovitriptan. That's a long duration or has a long half-life and uh, it has the longest half-life of any of the triptans. Mm-hmm. And that drug has been studied in difficult-to-treat women for menstrual migraine. Mm-hmm. Another drug, naratriptan, has been studied. There's less data, smaller trial. And then naproxen sodium has actually been looked at by an Italian group. And you start those meds before the onset of the period. So you might start it two days before your menstrually associated ta- attack and then take it for five days or even six days. Um, to wait until the estradiol is going back up so that you've really treated or you've put them on a short-term prevention around the time they were vulnerable. Okay. So let's discuss really quick. If someone has uh, either chronic migraine in addition to their menstrual-related migraine or menstrual migraine or more migraine attacks besides the ones around their menstrual cycle, how do you approach that person differently? Well, I would always uh, recommend that that individual be on prevention for migraine. So whether it was episodic migraine, we know now the guidelines are if you have four attacks per month, prevention should be considered. So I would say anyone with four attacks, but certainly someone who has chronic migraine, should be placed on medication for prevention. And I think what we see in today's world is that often it takes more than one medication Mm -hmm. to control chronic migraine, and sometimes even high-frequency episodic. Those are individuals who have between 8 and 14 um, days a month 
um, with their migraines. So sometimes it really takes a combination of medications. And again, when we think about that, so it might be daily medication for prevention and then short-term prevention during the menstrual window, but that individual would still need to have acute therapies for any breakthrough attacks, whether they were menstrual, menstrually related, or whether it was an attack outside the menstrual window. Okay. So some women will use hormone therapy or uh, oral contraceptives maybe taken straight through without the placebo pills. There's various ways that women will sometimes use hormones to treat their menstrually related migraine. Um, Can you comment on that? Because it is a bit controversial, particularly in the setting of migraine with aura. You're exactly correct. There is, this is an area that's fraught with sort of uncertainty and questioning. So we know that women who have migraine without aura have an increased risk over women who do not have migraine in terms of stroke. If women have migraine with aura, that risk increases yet more. Mm-hmm. If they're on an oral contraceptive pill and have migraine with aura, it goes up yet again. And in women who smoke, who have migraine with aura and who are on the oral contraceptive pill, there is a 13.9 relative risk okay. for increased stroke. So that's not a huge risk, but if it's the person, if it's my patient or if it's you, that's not a risk we want people to take unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. So what we really look at, or I would say what, I think I look at with individuals is, is there any indication that they have had anything that puts them at risk for stroke? So we would look at all the traditional stroke risk factors. No one should be offered any oral contraceptive containing estradiol if they smoke. So Mm -hmm. women should not smoke. If they have migraine with aura, we should be very sure to make sure they don't have any other risk factor, like a clotting factor that would increase their risk. Mm -hmm. And again, the formulation is really important. So we know that that can make a difference for some women. So we typically do sort of a screen for hypercoagulable states or things that make women and men too, but we're specifically talking about women. We look for things that increase their clotting risk and then would make sure that they don't smoke. And then we would use, if we're using an oral contraceptive or offering that or doing it with their gynecologist, we would use one of the lower dose estrogen pills. And then we would monitor them very closely if the aura increased, went beyond an hour, if they had migraine with aura, if they had anything that made us think they were having anything related to um, neurologic symptoms, then we would discontinue it. Um, And so that's a place where many patients can be started. Again, in Europe, they don't use oral contraceptive pills for women who have migraine, but that's something in the U.S. that we do under sort of uh, under advisement or under consideration. Okay. There is a question I get quite often that I would love to run by you um, just for everyone's benefit. Um, Some people will use compounded estrogens or alternate formulations of estrogen like creams or trochies that melt under your tongue or even pellets that are placed under the skin. Um, And I'm wondering what you think of those when it is related to stroke risk and migraine. Well, I think we can say that it's relatively clear that to prevent increased stroke in women who are on, let's say, hormone replacement or estrogen replacement, Mm -hmm. the formulation or the delivery method really makes a difference. And we know that oral estrogen can increase 
can increase clotting risk, and it also can change lipid status. So if someone's felt to be a candidate for hormone replacement therapy or for a manipulation that's used around the time of menstrual migraine, I think it's better for it always to be transdermal. So placed on the skin, absorbed through the skin, Mm -hmm. not a pellet or not oral. So always through the skin, if that's um, an option. And most of the small studies that have been where estradiol gels have been studied in menstrual migraine have included just that. They've included gel formulations that were applied to skin. Okay. That is good to know because I do think that's something that people are not aware of. So I'm glad we were able to get that in this very informative excerpts on menstrual and menstrual migraine and menstrually related migraine. Is there anything else you'd like to add to our episode on menstrual migraine? Well, I would just say that I think keeping a diary is a very important place um, Mm -hmm. to begin to address the role that one's hormonal status has in migraine. Mm -hmm. And that begins to be how you really can direct treatment and can figure out whether or not you may need something more than acute or short-term prevention and whether or not you might be a candidate or might really benefit from hormonal therapy. Mm -hmm. I think that many times I see patients where they have not been they've not been told that their pattern really is hormonal they've suspected it but when they keep their diary and come you can really see i would say almost the relief that someone has thought all along now they have affirmed for them that this is really this is their hormonal status is what was behind the worsening of their migraine Mm -hmm. or in essence their inability to have their migraine effectively treated right All right, Dr. Brandis, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And everyone, thanks for joining us today on Heads Up. And please join us again next week for our next episode. Everyone have a good night.